This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, all you ladies going to the marriage retreat, or not the marriage retreat, the women's retreat, when I'm jumping ahead, pray traveling mercies over you. There's been a lot of prayer covering that, and so we believe it'll be a good time for you, spirit, soul, and body, that you come back refreshed in all those areas. So if you're going, keep praying. If you're not going, I encourage you and I ask you to lift all these up in prayer because I believe it'll be that significant. Well, go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to begin tonight in Proverbs 10. And uh, probably after tonight, I'm going to get back to the Faith Hall of Fame. We've been on an area of faith here pertaining to our words and just some of the, the scriptures we've highlighted for about the last three weeks is there in Matthew 12, verse 37, he said, You'll be justified by your words, or you'll be condemned by your words. So, right there in that statement, and actually if you looked at Matthew 12 where it says that, it's red letter words. This was the Lord Jesus speaking to us. So, Jesus is saying, here's what's going to happen because of the words of your mouth. They're going to go to work for you, or they're going to go to work against you. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. In the multitude or abundance of words, sin is not lacking or sin is not absent. The New Living says, one who talks excessively brings on sin. Interesting statements right here. This is Proverbs. In the multitudes of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, where it says he who restrains his lips and wise, that's cross-reference. And you know where that verse goes to? It goes to James 1.19, which says, Be swift to hear and slow to speak. So when he talks about restraining our words, one of the uh, Jewish commentaries I was looking in, it says, to properly scrutinize your words. Weigh your words. And in other words, don't, don't let your words just be like a machine gun where you just really think about what I'm getting ready to release out of my mouth. And I believe right here, he's telling us again, and your words got incredible power. Same chapter, verse 32. The lips of the righteous, and the righteous is better known here as uncompromising, they know what is acceptable. That's an interesting statement. The lips of the righteous, they know what is, is acceptable. They know what is fitting. For that word know right there, it's an utterance or an expression that's linked to our perception of the word of God. So he says the righteous, they know. They know the power of their words. Last part of verse 32. But the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. And so again, he, he tells us there's, there's contrary. Man, I'm going to speak words of righteous or I'm going, to, I'm going to speak words that are going to get me in trouble. Now, go with me just to your right and you'll jump into the book of Ecclesiastes. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and... There's some days just when in your everyday reading or my everyday reading in the Word 
uh, where I was reading not long ago in Ecclesiastes, and this passage, it just jumped out at me, and I thought, golly, that's good. That is, that is really good. Not only to hear the word, but to actually obey it. So here we are, Ecclesiastes 5. This is Solomon, King David's son, writing this. And he says here in verse 1, Walk prudently, or guard your steps when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear. Come near to hear, to hear the word of God, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Verse 2, do not be rash or hasty or quick with your mouth and let your heart utter anything hastily before God. Don't speak before you think. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Now, where it talks about let your words be few, that cross-references back to Proverbs 10, 19, where we started. So now, again, he's getting over on how powerful our words can be. He goes on to say, For a dream comes through with much activity or concern, but a fool's voice is known by his many words. A fool's voice is known because he never shuts up. He never gets quiet. How many of you have ever been around a person you've had the thought, I wish they'd shut up? We've all been there. I want to flip that around. How many people have ever been around you and said, I just wish they'd shut up? A little different there. Keep reading. When you make a vow to God, and how do you make a vow to God? You say out of your mouth. How do you come into a marriage covenant? You have vows. You speak vows. So again, he says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So again, when I make a vow to God and you say, Father God, if you'll bail me out of this situation for the rest of my life, I'll go to church every week. He said, if you don't pay that vow, if you don't do you're viewed as a fool. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Verse 6. Ooh, this is the one that got me that day. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Don't allow your mouth to lead you to sin. So again, it would look this way. What you begin to speak out of your mouth, you're going to follow your actions. That's what he's talking about. And so again, he gives us great insight here that my mouth and your mouth have the ability to cause our flesh to sin. Nor say before the messenger of God, that was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity or it's useless, but fear God. So, man, he gets over, man, I've I got to come to a place in my life where I say, God, grace me to watch what I speak out of my mouth. Actually, I believe it would be like saying, 
Help me to be like a doctor that I become very precise. Think about a heart, a heart doctor. And he's got to be very precise with his hands what he does. Well, that's how I must look at my mouth. I've I got to measure my words. I've got to measure the very things. I've got to scrutinize them. Now, go with me to the book of James, chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we were in James for several, several evenings. We're going to go back there again. I encourage you to read James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Soak in that, marinate in that, and, and it's loaded. It, it's loaded with stuff about our mouth, especially James 3. Now we pick up where we left off last week, verse number 8. But no man can tame the tongue, yet the tongue is unruly, and it's full of deadly poison. We ended last week with that. Mankind cannot tame the tongue, but God can tame the tongue. The Holy Spirit can help you tame the tongue. And so, I believe one of the ways we would do that is we would go before Father God and we'd ask Him. We'd say, Father God, help me. Help me to speak words of life. Help me to speak words of victory. Help me to speak your word. I, I welcome that in here. I welcome that into my heart. Now this is the fourth amazing fact of the tongue is where we go here. Verse 9. With it, with our tongues, we bless our God and our Father. And with it, our tongue... We curse men who've made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Now, what you see in here, there's a huge contrast. And he says, out of this side of your mouth, you bless God. Woo, Father God, I bless you. My God is awesome. But out of this side of my mouth, I curse the mankind that God created us, and he created us in his likeness. Now, watch where James begins to go with this, and it'll speak to your heart here. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, my fellow believers, these things... Ought not to be so. And so when we speak these blessings, we say, man, Father God, let that happen forever. Bless, bless, bless. But the contrast is when we curse, and remember the word cursed was rooted in the word damnation, which meant destruction and to cause ruin. Also, when I see this, it's as viewing as another person as having no value. And if you look at this here, it's directed at other people. And so when we look at other people and we cause a, a ruin, we speak destruction over them, we treat them like no, there's no value. James saying to us as believers, those things ought not be so. You know what I really sense him saying? Knock it off. Quit. As believers, we should not be identified this way. 
Verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Now think about what he just said. A spring cannot send forth fresh water and salty water out of the same opening. Can't do it. Verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brethren... And look who he's dressing again. It's, it's amazing how many times when you go through the book of James, it's directed to believers. My, my brethren. Now watch what he says. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? No, he can't. Or a grapevine bear figs? No, it can't. Because we understand this. A fig tree will bear figs, and a grapevine will bear grapes. How do we know that? Now, if we really want to go back into the Old Testament, in Genesis 1-11, the, the Father, when He created the earth, He said, as the seed is planted, it will yield what the seed was meant to yield, or other words, whatever's inside the seed itself, that's what it will reproduce. So you don't plant watermelon and get cantaloupe. If you did, that's freakish. That's unnatural. That doesn't happen. Now this is, this is the comparison. He's saying, as believers, the fruit out of your mouth should bear witness of that of a believer. The fruit out of your mouth as, an, uh, as a believer shouldn't bear fruit as that of an unbeliever or that of a curse. This is analogy again. And he ends and says, Thus no spring yields forth both salt water and fresh. It's unnatural. Yet this is exactly what our tongue has the ability to do. So he's saying, as believers out of the very same breath or the very same sentence, you have the ability to speak blessings but you also have the ability to speak curses. So James' point is here is this. It's unnatural for who? For children of God to do this. And so literally right here, when you see the fourth amazing uh, 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 passage of the tongue, he's saying, stop it. Stop it. Quit. Now the only way that can happen it's through God's help and God's grace. But I believe it can happen. Now, to review a little bit here, go back with me to the book into Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, the, the first night we talked about this, this is, this is one of the first texts. And it's one of the most significant ones of all of them. And I'm, I'm just going to read Verse 21, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, those who love what's on my tongue, will eat its fruit. Now, now think about this. To eat the fruit of what's on my tongue... Any type of fruit 
first must start with the seed. Again, that seed will only reproduce after its own kind. So if you're going to get a fruit of death, it's because you planted that seed of death with my tongue. If you're going to get the fruit of life, it's because you planted that seed of life. And so with our tongue, it carries great power. I want you to think about this. When I open my mouth, I'm even speaking words of life or I'm speaking words of death. So when he tells us here, you got to measure your words. Why? Because life is in the power of the tongue. You got to be very careful with that. So let me ask you a question here. If I ask you tonight, what would it mean to speak life? What does that mean to speak life? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, the Lord Jesus said this to us, or actually the Apostle Paul said to us, the Word of God has got to be in your mouth and in your heart. And he ends with this, and he says, the Word of faith. Now, I want you to think about what he said. He said, you've got to get the Word of God in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith. So he's saying right here, you've got to start speaking the word of God by faith. You've got to mix it with faith. So I begin to think about that in, in my own life. And I, I remember this almost 38 years ago now. That at that time, I'd given my heart to Jesus. But whoo, I was still a work in progress. I still had a lot of fleshly desires. And so, on several occasions, I would hear Shelly praying this over me. And I remember this specifically. We lived in a little, little bitty house that had a little, little bitty bathroom. And I remember seeing on that counter, time after time after time, scripture that was written. And she would confess the word of God by faith over me. And I saw Colossians 1.13 and she would write it out and it would move me when I would read and she would have my name and she would say, I thank you Father God Storm has been delivered from the power of alcohol. It would move me when I would see that. It said this, I thank you Father God that Stormy is a godly husband. He's a godly daddy. He's a godly man. Now, can I tell you something? When she was speaking those things over me on a daily basis, none of those are, were even remotely true. <laughs> they were about as far as the truth was as it could be. But in Romans 4, 17, the Lord said, I call those things that be not as though they are 
based off of the Word of God. So when she began to speak the Word of God over my life, she was literally calling that thing that be not as though it was. Now, Father God did that. He did that with Abraham. He said over Abraham and Sarah, he said, I call you a father of many nations when they didn't have kids. And so she began to speak the word. Too many times in our life, we call those things that be as though they are instead of calling those things that be not as though they are. And so I encourage you to begin to get a hold of the word of God and speak the word of God by faith. Well, pastor, when's it going to happen? Well, I'm not God. I don't know. But I can tell you, I, I've seen this over and over, how God works in my life. And so I'm a living testimony of my wife's prayers and her confession of the Word of God. The Word of God got in her mouth. I'm, I'm a living testimony of a mother's prayers. How many got mothers and daddies that prayed for you? How many can say, I'm a product of my mom and dad's prayers? Well, when they were praying for me and you, what they were praying, it didn't look like that was happening because they were probably saying, Father God, save them. Help them. But again, through our prayers, through our daily confessions, man, i got to start saying the things that God says about me. And so again, that's how you speak life. That's how you speak the blessings of God. And so I encourage you, get in the Word, find Scripture, and then you got to start speaking to the mountain, Mark eleven twenty three, Speak and speak and speak and speak. And again, guys, I'm not, I'm not speaking, name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, speak it and God will leak it. I've seen all the, the harm and the abuse of that. But again, I still not, cannot get away from the core truth of the Word of God. That something happens. So think about this in this sense. If, if my flesh follows the words that I speak, that are negative, that he said there in Ecclesiastes that will lead me to sin, what would happen if we begin to speak life? What would happen if we begin to speak the truth of the Word of God? So again, speak the word. Now, this is the one I want to end with tonight. The book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And let me tell you what's going on here as you're turning to Isaiah 6. Isaiah's had this dream. This vision. And what happens to him is he's taken up into heaven. He goes right up into heaven. Do I still believe God does those things? Why? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, why isn't he doing that with me, Pat? Well, I'm not God. I don't know. I'm never against him doing that with me. How many of you would kind of like to tour heaven a little bit? I'd love to tour heaven. The problem with me touring heaven and you touring heaven, you might say, I'm not going back. I'm out of here. I'm checking out. So again, he's in heaven. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, it filled the temple. 
Now, where it says the word Lord there, the Hebrew word for that is the word called Adonai, the supreme master. He's it. There is no other. And so Abraham, in this vision, he goes into the very presence of the Lord. Verse 2. Above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Now, when you see the word seraphims here, these were angels, angelic beings. Many times these seraphims were viewed as fiery angels. I, I, don't, I don't know if when they flew... How many of you remember, um, Ali, down by the rivers when I grew up in Oklahoma, there would be a bug that would flash. Any guys remember what I'm talking about? What's it called? Bug. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to figure out. Lightning bug. Yeah, that's it. I was like, right. That's 50-point bonus question, Arlen. Way to go. Well, I wonder in the spirit realm if, if these seraphims aren't kind of like lightning bugs. They light up somehow. This is what this is talking about. And, and so here Isaiah, he's strolling into heaven. And not only does he come into the presence of God, here's these seraphims. Keep reading. And one cried to another, these seraphims, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now I believe over and over and over, this is what you hear in heaven. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Verse 4. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with the smokes. Now, the smoke here, this indicates God's presence. Woo, the presence of God was so thick. So I said, Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man of defiled lips. I am a man of contaminated lips. Now understand, he's right here in the very presence of the Lord. And in the very presence of the Lord, he realized, my lips are undone. My lips have spoken things that have ruined. Now look what he goes on to say. And I dwell in the midst of a people, a society of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now what he's talking about here, when you look at this, they have unclean lips. An unclean nature, which expresses itself in inappropriate speech. Wow. Now think about this, guys. 
He's not on earth. He's in this vision of heaven. And this is what is being revealed to him. Inappropriate speech has put us in this situation. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. So when I began to look at this, I thought, What would happen if God did that with us? If God touched his lips and it purged him. Took away his sin. I said, Lord, do that with my lips. Put a hot coal on my tongue. Now, guys, I'm, I'm not talking about literally. I'm talking about in the spirit realm that God wants to move in us in this area. And so what he's saying here, this... This was eye-opening to him. When, when God revealed to him in heaven, this is what's going on, not only with you, but with people on the earth. And, and so I looked at this and I thought, Lord, I repent for the sins of my mouth. Lord, fill me with the promise of Hebrews 4.12, which says, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, put the word of God in my mouth. Let me speak the word of God out of my mouth. Psalms 107.2, write this one down, mark that verse right there. Psalms 107.2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Something happens when I march around my house and I, I, I get in my car and I start saying I'm the redeemed of the Lord and I say so. So the word redeemed means I've been repurchased by the Lord of the blood of the Lamb and I say so. So if I was to dig in here, your redemptive package, Galatians 3.13 says, He redeemed you from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was poverty, sickness, and eternal damnation. But instead, the redemptive package says, you walk in life, you walk in health, and you walk in blessings. So what would happen if I begin to say, whoa, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I walk in John 10, 10, life and that more abundantly. What would happen if I begin to say, thank you, Lord, I walk in divine health because I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Now think about this. Jesus has already paid that. He's not going to do it again. He's done it. So something begins to happen when I begin to confess out of my mouth, I'm the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. So if you're born again, you ever, I say so, I say so, I say so, I say so. I walk in blessings. Go to Deuteronomy 28. No, you don't have to do that. Just write this down. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, talk about the blessing. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head, not the tail. I go over them, not beneath so again, that's part of my blessings. He says in, in Psalm 65, I've, I've blessed you indeed. I've enlarged your territory. My hand is upon you. I keep me from evil and I cause no pain. I've crowned your year with your goodness. My paths drip with your abundance. And daily I'm loaded with his benefits. 
Those are all the blessings. Genesis 12, 1, 2. He said, I've blessed you. I've multiplied you. I've made my na- your name great. I've blessed you to be a blessing. So all I start doing is saying what he said he's already done. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Not because of anything I've done. Jesus qualified me as that. Ain't got quite in here. And I love those things. So again, I, I encourage you. I don't care if you've got to write them down, get cards like Shelly did. I don't care if you get them on the inside of them where they're daily affirmations. You begin to affirm those things in your life. You speak, you speak, you speak the word. Start speaking it, speak it, speak it, speak it. And watch God work. Watch God move. I've seen it. I've seen it for years. And so one of the reasons I talk about this The first reason is the Lord told me to preach on faith. He said, man, my, my people got to understand faith because without faith it's impossible. But this is just the side of faith. I got to get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, and then speak the Word, speak the Word, speak the Word. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.